Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at Sardis Fellowship. This week, Pastor Rod Heppel continues in our new series called Family Matters. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! So whether you are mums in the crazy years of raising little ones, or the anxious years of teenage kids, or a mum of grown adult children... You truly are amazing women, and we celebrate you today and all that you do and all you've done as moms. Today is going to be a Mother's Day sermon. Sometimes we're in the middle of a sermon series uh, that has a different theme to it, and we acknowledge Mother's Day, and we preach a message in the sermon series. Like a year ago, we were in the story of Ruth and Naomi, and so we just stuck with that storyline. But today, because we're in a sermon series called Family Matters, uh, we want to say, moms, you matter, and uh, we're going to have a Mother's Day Uh, sermon for you today, so we just want to say Happy Mother's Day. Did you get to sleep in today? I also want to focus on mums today, but also on those of you who have mums, because we are to honor our mums. I'm blessed to have a mum who is one of those ones that is special, kind and loving and godly. I was raised in a place where I knew that my mum loved me. She will soon be 81 years old. She will be very sad to hear me announce that to everyone, that in two weeks she'll be 81. But she's in good health, and that too is a blessing in life. I want to reflect a little bit on some of my memories in my growing up years. My mother erred on the side of love. I say erred on the side of love because she had to do all those regular things that moms have to do, right? You set boundaries. Uh, You're the one who has to help your kids understand certain things. And so there's points of correction and discipline and there's making you do chores and making you do your homework and all of those regular things that come with the territory of being a parent. But underlying all of it was this spirit of love that I knew as a kid. Oh, she could scold me from time to time. Don't get me wrong, using the full name Rodney Stewart Heppel. (laughs) And then there were the most dreaded words of all. When your father gets home today. (laughs) That's when I started to plea bargain with her. Sometimes I got out of it, very rarely. And let's just say that the words Rodney Stewart and Rawhide went together with Ronald. And I don't mean McDonald. My mother was someone trying to do her best to raise four kids. Three pretty wild boys and one very wild daughter. We grew up on a farm. And life on a farm was not normal. I mean, normal to what most other people's experience is. It was a big farm. And if you're going to keep your sanity on a farm like that, then you have to be flexible and you have to roll with it. And my mom did that. Often days were long and you weren't home for meals on time and sometimes in harvest it was like meals were coming to you in the field and my mom just learned how to roll with it. Her heart was for God. She hadn't been a Christian all her life. When she was 21 years old, she came to New Westminster to study uh, becoming a nurse at Royal Columbian Hospital and there a friend took her to a local Baptist church and she prayed and received Christ and God changed her life. That was in the early 1960s. From that time on, God was first in her life. And out of that, she did her best to accept what she'd inherited in marrying a man who was a farmer and raising four kids to the best of her ability. And she wasn't alone in that. My dad was there. But I would say that my mom fit the bill of being a nurturing mother. 
She was the one that I would say that most of that element of the caring and the tenderness came from my mom's side of it. I mean, she was the one that was there that when we had scrapes or cuts, she put on the band-aid. She would, was the one who made the cakes for our birthdays and even remembered that we had birthdays, right? She was the one who read to us from the Bible and shared stories and prayed with us and tucked us in at night, although my dad did some of that as well. But she was the one who, even when I was five and a half years old, helped me understand faith in Jesus and prayed to receive Jesus. That was my mom in my life. Now, I could tell you a lot of stories about her shortcomings and the times that she got it wrong, but seeing as how she's still alive, she could tell a lot of stories on me too, so we'll just stop right there. (laughs) But here's what I want us to focus on today. In being a mom, there are a lot of tasks. They are many, and the pressures are great. And my mom had all of that. But the one thing that I walked away from my childhood years sensing or knowing in my heart is that I was loved by my mom. I didn't grow up and leave home thinking that, wow, she was the perfect mom or she was the smartest mom, although Michelle Johnsrud is, and, um, and, and that she was like the mom who had it all together. Those weren't my thoughts. I, I think when I left home, the overarching theme that I took away was that I had a mom who loved me. And I would say that's the best gift you can give your kids. As we begin our message today, that's what I want to encourage you as moms with. This very same experience that I had, I want to be the experience for your kids in your home while you have the opportunity to raise and shape them, is to create a place where love is. Amidst all of the tasks and the many different hats that you wear, and we we get that. This is like such an impossible role, right? In the midst of all your desires to do everything right and make sure that your kids are raised well and that you can be a great mom, The overarching narrative that you want for your story as well is that it's a place where your kids are loved and they know it. I officiate a number of weddings each year. um, And I have a passage of scripture that I read at this wedding ceremony. Not at every one of them, but it's one of the ones that I kind of go to because this passage of scripture has these certain qualities or virtues that if the couple were to engender these and implement them into their marriage relationship, it would be good for them. Now, the context for the Apostle Paul giving these words is to the local church as to how we are to interact and care for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. However, if it fits for the body of Christ, then I believe it fits for marriage, and I believe if it fits for marriage, then it fits for mothers with their kids. So I'm going to go there this morning. It's Colossians 3, verses 12 to 15, and I will put them up on the screen here in a moment. Um, But what I want to say is that Paul lists a lot of these qualities here that you're going to read in a moment. And, uh, and he wants them to have a, us to have them in our relationships. But then he picks up on one. And he says this is the overarching quality of all of them. Which maybe you've figured out by now is this idea of love. So here's the passage. This is reading from the NIV. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So you can see there in verse 14 how Paul kind of like elevates this this gift or this quality of love uh, to like a supreme level of this virtue needs to be the one that kind of ties them all together. But let's go back and start in verse 12, and let's kind of look at this and see what there might be for each of us here today, but in particular for moms because it's Mother's Day. As I've said, the context is to the church. This wasn't a church plant that Paul planted in Colossae. Uh, It was a young church. It was just getting started. It was planted by another disciple by the name of Epaphras. um, Yeah, Epaphras. And Paul is 
uh, praying for this church consistently, and he cares for them. And so he takes the time to write a letter because he wants to nurture them along in their faith as well. So he starts with this one really basic fact that I think we all need to hear. In verse 12, Therefore, holy and dearly loved as God's chosen people. Well, we can personalize that to each of us as an individual, as one of God's chosen people. And moms, what I'm wanting you to hear today is, do you realize that you are dearly loved by God? Because I think that's a really good starting point for understanding how it is that we're going to create an atmosphere of love in our home. How will our kids know that they are loved if we ourselves aren't aware of the fact that we are loved by God? And it's a really beautiful term here, this word dearly. I mean, that's an affectionate term, right? And I don't think we often necessarily think of God as affectionate or at least not affectionate towards me. Maybe he's affectionate towards others, but is he affectionate towards me? Yes, he is. You are dearly loved. So that's point one. Moms, you're loved by God. Now, this is a good place for us to start because, like I said, if we don't know it, then we're probably not going to be able to pass it on to our kids. This love is not like the love that we often understand, which is when we do well, <laughs> we're loved, and when we do bad, we're not loved. This is unconditional love of God. Um, we often go there, right? Only at my best do I sense that God truly loves me, and not when I'm at my worst, not when I've blown it. But we all have. And the idea of this idea of that God loves us in Christ is that it's an unconditional love, which means he loves me from beginning to end. He loves me from top to bottom. He loves me in my best moments and my worst moments. That's the love of God towards you. And I think it's important, moms, to know you're loved like that. It's from this love that he desires to motivate us all to become people of love. And in 1 John 4, which if you were to read this whole section, there's a lot in, in 1 John about love. And in chapter 4, he explores that theme about God being love. And so I'm just picking two of the verses here to share with you. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And I've highlighted that part. Love comes from God. That's the source. God in us, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, is the source of love within us. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And then dropping down to verse 11... Dear friends, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so you see this connection between God's love toward us and then our love towards others. And, you know, often we think of it as people out there, but I want you to think of the people that God has placed in your closest relationship. If you're in a family, that's your first circle of love. That's your first place of discipleship. These are the ones that God has placed into your inner circle that we ought to love. My hunch is that too often, as moms, we listen to a voice that's the wrong voice in our head. It's a negative message, right? It's the I'm not good enough message, or I am a failure, or why haven't I got this right by now? And I'm wanting you to keep this message in your mind, that you are loved by God. You do know, moms, that parenting is the hardest job in the entire world. I mean, it is exceedingly complex, diverse, complicated, like, in order to raise kids, you need a degree in so many areas, right? You need a degree in medical field. You need a degree in psychology. You need a degree in theology and culinary skills and leadership and team development, or at least you can turn it over to the HR department, right? This past week, I was speaking with three moms that have all raised their kids. So they're growing up, you know, early 20s, late teenage years. And I asked them, I said... Reflecting back to when you were in the crazy years of raising your kids, what kind of a message would have you wanted on a Mother's Day sermon? And the first person said, I wanted to know who's coming over to clean my kitchen. <laughs> 
But aside from that one comment, most of the comments were around this idea of the role is so diverse and the pressures are so great that come with that diversity. You're supposed to have it all together in all these different areas and you're juggling all these balls and it's like, I can't do it. I got three going and four and five are dropping on the ground around me, right? One of them said, don't judge my kids, please, or me. There's way too many variables to raising this kid, and there's different ways in which this kid could be raised. So please, please, show me some grace. <laughs> show me some grace. That's why we're singing about grace this morning. God's grace is enough for each of us. One mom said, if you judge other people's kids, be careful. It'll come back to bite you. <laughs> I think you get the point. So here we have this incredibly difficult role, almost impossible challenge for moms to be a mom, and your first go-to thought is one of failure? Come on, no, it should not be that, right? Uh, we know that that's not true. We cannot let this spirit of condemnation rule in our minds. You just need to dial it back. Don't put that perfect mom-type pressure on you. It's not there. It shouldn't be there. Just relax, you're going to be okay and you're doing a great job, okay? Moms, you're doing a great job. Rome wasn't built in a day and all those good messages we have to tell ourselves, right? Steady the emotions, stay the course. So the first thing that I want you to hear is that you are dearly loved by God. And that you need to stop listening to the voices in your head that tell you otherwise. In fact, I think what we need to hear in our heads is exactly what this verse is trying to tell us. That first and foremost, we are loved by God. So we need to stop allowing negative message to occupy our minds and rather to let the message of the fact that I am a chosen and wholly set apart child of God who is dearly loved by God. And that's the message that you take to heart because it's out of that that you're doing your best to raise your kids in the way of the Lord. Point number one, you're loved by God. We uh, go to the next verse here in verse 13. Uh, no, this is the second half of verse 12, and we see that Paul has something for us to do here. He talks about clothing yourselves, which is such good language, right? Like, I mean, we put on our clothing, and so he's saying, you need to put these things on, and then he lists these five different values or virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Four of these are actually listed as fruit of the Spirit. If you were going to Galatians 5, you would read about the fruit of the Spirit. And so I think what's important to understand here is that as you're focusing on your relationship with God, he is producing through his spirit fruit inside of you. And often, here's the thing, we're so acquainted with our failures that we don't see the fruit. We see all of the times we blow it and get it wrong that we don't see the compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience that God is actually growing in us as we seek to Keep our eyes on him. And so my second point, looking at this second half of this verse, 12, is to focus on your spiritual growth. Because I think commonly what we tend to do is focus on my kids turning out right, and I'm all about making sure they're doing okay, and I'm not really looking at myself. It's a point that Pastor Dave made years ago, and he taught a parenting course in the life of our church on more than one occasion. I shared it with him at one time, um, shaping our children, something like that. He brought up the fact that there's a common tendency for us as parents, which is we want to focus on the outcome of our kids to make sure that they're going to turn out all right. And I think that we understand why, because we have this fear like, oh my goodness, if I'm not doing all the right stuff in the right way, my kid's going to turn out wrong, right? And so there's kind of this underlying fear, and so we put this pressure on our kids by focusing on their outcome. I'm going to make sure I correct everything they're doing wrong so that they turn out right. And he said, there's two things wrong with that. One is you don't actually control the outcome of your kids. You can't control anyone else in your life. 
The only person you can control is yourself. And that was the second point here, was that we probably put more pressure on our kids rather than turning to ourselves and try to be the right kind of person. So the first one is you can't control the outcome of your kids. And the second one is if you're trying to control the outcome of your kids, you're probably putting too much pressure on them. It's a much better strategy to focus on ourselves and our walk with the Lord and to seek to be the best version of me that I can be. And that God then, through that, helps us to lead our kids. There's an age-old adage that is often said, more is caught than taught. Have you heard that? Which simply means that the impact that I'm going to have on my kids will come more from what I actually model for them than the words that I use to teach them. The Apostle Paul says, clothe yourselves with these qualities, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Our focus should be on the character of Christ within me. And then allow God to use that as the example to my own kids. So we're keeping the main thing, the main thing that will then benefit our kids, which is my relationship with the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I was meeting with a parent in our church who has younger age kids, and we're having breakfast, and we're talking about life and stuff like that. When he shares this with me, he said, you know what, we, my wife and I, we started to realize that um, as our kids are kind of getting older now, and they're kind of navigating the world, how, how are they going to navigate the world? we got to help them. We're their parents. And then he, he had this realization. He said, then I realized that unless I was taking care of my own spiritual need, unless we were growing spiritually in our own walk with the Lord, we probably wouldn't be our best and help our kids navigate this world. And so he and his wife uh, not only joined a life group, they started a life group because they wanted to have regular input into their lives so that they could be the best parents that they could be. Now, being in a life group is an excellent way to have other people in your life to help you on an ongoing basis because God speaks through people. That's how he gives wisdom. He gives wisdom through his word. So being in a life group, Bible study group, coffee group is one option, mentoring groups. But another option is realizing that as an individual, I can read God's word. I can pray. I can reflect on his voice speaking to me through his word. He speaks to me through others. He speaks to me through his word. And so I would encourage us to have a personal, daily, devotional time to focus on your own spiritual growth so that you can be the best version of you, so that God will help you model for your kids what it is that you want them to catch in life. The third point, mums, is to practice forgiveness, and that comes from verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness brings the magic. Forgiveness is the thing that after 18 years of being together and bumping up against each other with different understandings and points of tension and misunderstandings and yet still loving each other. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your children. But hey, it applies. Forgiveness is the key is what I'm trying to say. Why is it the key? Well, here's the honest truth. I don't think my kids would have the love that they do for me today if along the way I hadn't asked them to forgive me when I got it wrong. Forgiveness is huge when kids are growing up in the home. Forgiveness is huge when one day adult children, when looking back, will still love you. Because when we model forgiveness, they know that we are not God. But rather that we are under his authority in raising them. Please stick with me for this connection here. When our kids are growing up in a home where we as adults or as the parents are the ones who set the rules and make the judgment calls on what's right or wrong or when they were bad behaved and whatnot, when we are the ones that are making all those kinds of calls, we are the closest concept they have 
of God. The problem is we're not God. And if we don't help them understand we're not God, what's going to end up happening is they know by all of our shortcomings that we're not God. But we, by our lack of humility to admit when we're wrong, will send the wrong message that only leaves them to think that you're a hypocrite. Does that make sense? If I never admit when I'm wrong, my kids will one day look at me and go, but dad, I know you didn't have it all right. Why can't you admit when you got it wrong? We can shout out our kids, you kids should hear how you talk to each other. And they're thinking, ah, it might sound just like the way dad talked to me. I don't know if this is making sense to you or not, but in my mind, forgiveness keeps my heart soft so that even a child can see that I need God, just like they need God. And I'm trying to help them see that they need God in their life. And I'm helping them realize that I, as a parent, need God in my life. And I think forgiveness does that. In fact, when we ask for forgiveness and when we extend forgiveness, we point each other to God. That's why practicing forgiveness is key to your family dynamic. The final one is love. Paul says in verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Over all these virtues. So he's saying, you know, these are all good virtues, but there's these that are good and there is this that is best, I think is what he's saying. And this that is best is the thing that pulls them all together to help them make meaning, the unity part. Um, Love is the thing that guides the good virtues so that they land, so that they make sense, so that they're true. Um, all of our actions, all of our virtues, all of our intentions, they're, they're going to deflect off of our kids unless, unless love is what's guiding it. And so love is the thing that helps it land and sink into the hearts of our kids. It's like 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul says, if you don't have love, you gain nothing. You, you're not making music, you're just a clanging cymbal. He says, you're, there's no orchestra here. It's just bang, 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 unless there's love. So it starts and ends with love. Compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, humility, and forgiveness are all good qualities. In fact, if you were to practice those ones, it's almost like it's a demonstration of love, right? They're all love-related, but in the end, it's love that pulls them all together so that they do the good that we intend them to do. I don't know if you guys play cards or not. I like playing cards. You got the trump suit, right? If you're not familiar with the trump suit, uh, ace is high in every suit, uh, but there's one of the suits that will be the trump suit. And a two of the trump suit, which is the lowest card, will beat the ace that is not the trump suit. And what I'm seeing here is, you know, you can maybe get it wrong in a lot of different ways in which you go about your parenting and raising your kids, but at the end of the day, if you have love for your kids and they know it, that's the trump card. That wins the day. Love wins. What I think Paul is saying about all of these good virtues is aim for them, but don't fail to do the one thing that you really need to do, which is love them. So it's not my good intentions that are going to win the day with my kids. It's not my systems and my rules that produce good kids. It's not my attempt at setting them straight and correcting them every time they err. And it's not my knowledge and wisdom that I pass on. But it is my love for them that binds all of those efforts that I have together for good. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing, which is love. So moms, I want to encourage you to keep love central in your relationship with your kids today. You're a good mom. You know your kids. You know your kids probably better than anyone in the whole entire world knows your kids. You know them and you're trying to guide them and you love them and you're coming from this place where you want them to know truth and to walk in truth and to know God and to walk with him. Let love be the thing that guides you. Moms, you're loved by God. Focus on your own spiritual growth. Practice forgiveness and put on love. We love you moms and we bless you and we celebrate you today. And I'm gonna switch gears to talk about those of us who have moms.
because there's another category here for all of us who have a mom who is still alive, and that is that we have an obligation from God's word to do what God commands us to do. The biblical command is to honor our mother. It comes from the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, and then also repeated in Deuteronomy 5.16. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. There it is. So it's this command that comes with a promise, and it's for, I think, all ages. Maybe principally while you're growing up living in your home, but I think for all of us who have parents, like I do, I think there's still a role for us to play in honoring our mom and dad. Paul repeats this command in Ephesians chapter 6, where basically he takes the um, Deuteronomy um, passage and he repeats it. Maybe slight changes here and there, but children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So from the land to on the earth. Hang with me here. I want to talk to kids for a minute. Kids, if you're old enough to understand the words I'm speaking right now, I have just a brief little message for you. I want you to listen well because what I'm going to share with you comes with a perk. It comes with a reward. It comes with a prize. Kids love prizes. I know you love a prize. Here's a great prize for you today, kids. Listen well. God has placed you in your family, and he has expectations on you. Yes, you. Whether you're 5 or 12 or 15 or 30, God has expectations for you. He has placed your mom there in your home as a person who has authority over you. It's the authority that God has given to your mom to raise you and your dad. But we're talking to moms here today, okay? And in your home, your job is to obey them. And by obeying your mom, you're honoring her. Today is Mother's Day. If you want to honor your mom then obey her. And then it comes with this really unique promise. This is the prize part, where it says that, in essence, life is going to go better for you. Kids, listen, life will go better for you if you listen to your mom and you obey her and your dad. Here's why. They know something you don't know yet. You see, you've got to learn something that each and every one of us has to learn as adults. We've been there ourselves when we were kids. We've been there ourselves when we were teenagers. We've been there ourselves when we've been young adults. We all have to learn the same message, which is this. Will I or will I not obey God? See, that's really at the heart of all of this, kids. If you want to obey God, then you will obey what God says. And what God says is that we are to obey our moms. We are to honor our moms and our father and our mother. And the reason why this works the way it does, that it may go well with you, that you may live long here on earth, is I think it's kind of like... The way in which if you do listen to the authority within your home, you will learn something about authority that will be applied when you get out in life. It will go well with you to understand authority when you're in school with your teachers and your principals, when you're in the workplace and you have a boss and an employer, when you're out driving your vehicle around the road one day when you get your license and good grief when that happens, I'm getting off the sidewalk because, hey, it's a dangerous world. It will go well with you with police officers to understand authority. And your parents want to help you. And guess what, kids? In the worst case scenario, honestly, in the worst case scenarios where kids do not learn in their home to respect and honor their mom and dad, they go out into the world and they don't respect any other authority. And they end up mixing up with the wrong people doing the wrong stuff. And you know what? Every day on the news, there are lots of stories about kids that got it wrong, that didn't learn this. And they've walked a road that's so hard 
And so I want to give you that today, that God has good plans for you. And it starts by you listening to your parents and obeying them. And then he walks with you as you walk with him. And he will bring blessing into your life. It will go well with you. I don't know how long you will live. I'm not sure how all that works out. But I think that he has good plans for us when we obey him. So kids, cooperate with your parents. They are the ones who have leadership in your home. They might not always be right and they might not always be at their best, but they are the best that you have. Love your parents. Respect their authority in your home. For older children, here's the question I ask ourselves because I'm one of those. How might I still honor my mom today at the stage of life that I'm at? Um, Because I think we need to honor our moms, but it's not always easy. And there could be some challenges that you have in that relationship. And so last week we were asking this question about ourselves. What's the next best good step? Uh, The idea of the good step was sometimes we try to, in our next best step, take one big step. And we're talking about, well, what's the next best good step? What's the one thing I can do? And, And so maybe there's something you have to process in your relationship with your mom that is about what you could do to honor her today. What might that be? And that's something that you evaluate before God. And lastly, I will close with another situation that I think is common to a lot of us, which are moms that have adult children that are not walking with the Lord. They're growing up. They might be still in your home or out of your home, but it's a difficult situation, and many people share this one. The first thing I want to say is don't play the shame game. None of us can turn back the clock and do something different, and we all have those kinds of regrets in life. But it's not too late for you to also consider this question of, What can you do in your relationship with your grown children? What's your next best good step with them? Because you can still love them, right? You can still love your grown children. You can pray for them at least. You can show care towards them if you still have a relationship. There is that opportunity for you to speak love into their lives. The story is not over. There still is time. And if you were with us last Sunday, this is a message from last Sunday that the the equation isn't over because... um, God is the God of redemption, and he can work in these situations. And so don't give up hope. Continue to pray. Continue to build a relationship in love to the degree that you can. And trust God with the part that you can't. So, moms, you're loved by God. Focus focus on your own spiritual growth. Practice forgiveness and put on love. And hopefully one day when your kids walk out of your home, as I did when I walked out of my home, that they will reflect back and know, I know that I had a mom who loved me. Let's pray. Father, by your Holy Spirit, help us with the roles that we have in life. Our moms are here today. We celebrate them. They're incredibly special. They're people of amazing resilience and people who do so much and they're juggling all those different balls and they're trying to bring their best and it can only at times feel like failure because it's more than any one person can handle. And so overarching this message today, I pray that they might experience your grace that they might know your love for them first and foremost, and that as they focus on loving their kids and training them and helping them to walk in the way of the Lord, that they would sense your presence with them, empowering them to be able to do the first and greatest thing that you ask of them, to love their children. And so bless them today. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.